You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 165, Toxic Mold and Barbecues. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, Neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Today, Steve, we are talking about toxic mold and barbecues. What made you think of this topic? Well, last week, obviously, was 4th of July, so um, I don't remember what we talked about. I think summertime, mold in the summertime. So then I was just thinking about foods, and uh, remember we did our little case study thing with the uh, Burger King? Oh, that's right. We didn't use Burger King. Oh, I think we use Wendy's. But anyhow. We use somebody. Yeah, we did our own little thing compared to our own hamburger to see which would mold quicker, which had, you know, more mold types and all sorts of stuff. And uh, we didn't really, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would, but, you know, we didn't really report on that. But the reason we did that was, remember, Burger King came out with a commercial showing mold on their on their hamburgers. Do you remember oh, that's that? That's right. I do remember that. Yeah. So anyhow, I just, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, they, when they think about mold on food, they think of penicillin and they're like, well, I take that for antibiotics. So it's just fine if it's on my bread or cheese or whatever. So I just thought it was something we could talk about and, you know, we, we, we repeat ourselves a lot in our podcast, but that's the point. So our listeners know, you know, all the important things or the things I feel are important. Well, but I but going back to the whole thing about mold and food being concerned, I've seen lots of people, they find a little bit of mold on their bread. They just cut off the part with the mold and keep eating the bread. Is that... It's a surface mold if it is, yeah. Okay. So, so mold on your cheese to me is a lot different than mold on bread. Why? Because the, the cheese isn't as porous as the bread is. So the bread has obviously more voids. It's not as dense so it's more porous 
So trying to cut that out, you could, you could try to, versus cheese is a lot different. Like on cheese, you could just cut the mold right off. And I'm not telling our listeners to do that, but. But that's where my question is, is mold in food a concern? Because lots of people act like it is and they just snip the part off that has the mold and they keep eating it. Yeah, and I, you know, obviously I think mold's always a concern, but yeah, mold in foods is not, that's the last thing you want is to ingest mold spores. Um, you know, and it might not affect you, but it might have really negative effects. And those, those molds could start producing mycotoxins inside your body. And then we go down the whole road of detoxing and all that stuff. So I guess my point is, is you could, you could have mycotoxins and, and uh, mold sickness symptoms due to ingesting mold from food and the air quality in your home is fine. And it's just that you're ingesting mold. Exactly. Okay. So then what, I mean, it would seem to me that different molds will show up on different foods under different circumstances, right? Correct. So what types of mold will people find on food typically? So we mentioned the, the penicillin, but the most common ones, and I had to Google this because I'm not a microbiologist, but the most common ones are Alternia, Aspergillus, Clodosporium, and Penicillium. And penicillium, Aspergillus, Aspergillus are typically classified in the same um, mold classification because they're so similar. But they are two different mold types, but when it comes to air testing, usually they're classified in the same same category. But, you know, for our listeners, Penicillium, they're like, yeah, that's, you know, cheese and stuff like that. Um, the Clodosporium is typically what you're going to find on your bread. So you have a little more of a greenish color versus a more whitish color so a lot of it depends though on on what the food is just like in your home you know when we run air testing there are certain mold types that are associated let's just say with water damaged sheetrock so it'd be the same concept with food depending on what food it is would introduce different mold types okay that 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 confuse you Yes, you did. So let me let me put it a different way. So you in the mold epidemic, you talked about toxigenic, pathogenic, and Aller- allergenic mm-hmm. molds. And then now you just mentioned that most of the mold molds you'd find on your food are like Aspergillus, Cladosporium, Penicillium, Alternia. So which groups do those types fall under? Is Penicillium an allergenic mold? It's so they could be classified as all three. Okay. Um, and so, once again, depending on what mold types, and then the sub subtypes, so it's subgenus is what they call it, um, subspecies, would determine that. But it could be classified as all of them. Oh. It can, penicillium could, you know, let's just say penicillium along with clodosporium, those inside your body could produce a mycotoxin, which could you know, we would say it was, it's toxigenic. So, and I know that sounds confusing to our listeners, but when we've talked about those mold classifications, they can fall under different categories or all three. So then, so then why, why is it important for listeners to understand the mold classification? Does it, what does it tell people? Well, honestly, for me, I don't think, to me, it's somewhat irrelevant, if that makes sense, because, you know, some people are allergic to peanuts, 
So they can have, what's it called, aphylactic shock or oh, yeah, whatever yeah. the reaction is, and they need an EpiPen. Where someone like me, it's fine. So for one person, it could be fatal, per se, where somebody else it's not. So the re- that's just what, you know, that's how we classify them, allergenic, uh, pathogenic, and toxigenic. And that is so that we can say so. And if it's if it only causes a, a, an allergic reaction, then it would be allergenic. If it causes an infection, that would be pathogenic. Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. So okay. a lot of it just depends. Like, and if it if it creates mycotoxins, it's toxigenic. It's toxigenic. So then, the like mold- when you cut your arm, does everybody's arm or the cut always get infected? No. So it could just be a cut, and then it could actually turn into an infection. Does that make sense? That does so make sense. A lot of it's how your body reacts to it. So is would you say, in your opinion, that most of the mold that you'll find on food live in the allergenic or pathogenic? I would. Route, or I, they could be all three. It could be all three. Wow, that's complicated. I would, I, it's, and once again, this is way out of my expertise. I'm not, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a specialist when it comes to that. I'm not a microbiologist. But it could be any of them. Okay. And... So that's why, you know, it, it needs to, I'm not saying you have to freak out over, you know, you saw mold on your cheese, now you need mold mitigation in your house, no. <laughs> but you should, you know, be cognizant of what that mold can do to you. But if you're seeing mold on your food in general, you know, my first assumption when I see mold, especially on bread, is, oh, the store sold me old bread. Would that be accurate, or are there many more factors involved than just... Well, you'd have to have the same factors as you do for a mold infestation in a home. Okay. And it, you know, you have the mold, the three main things. You got, you have to have the mold spore, you have to have a food source, so cellulose materials, and you have to have elevated humidity over 60%. So, mold on your bread, um, Depending on the preservatives, what, how the bread's made, the yeast they're using, all sorts of different variables. You could buy once, you know, one type of bread that will be moldy in a week. You could have another type of bread that it takes a couple weeks. A lot of that's dictated by the brand and what's in it. Um, but if you have mold on your bread, do you typically see that when the bag is open? Meaning, the kids leave the bag open. Does the does do you, would you typically see mold on that no. bread? Because the the humidity is not elevated. Okay. So the moisture in the foods, we're talking about bread. So the moisture in the bread, not meaning that it's wet, but there's moisture in it, that obviously will become elevated if the bag is closed. If you open that bag, you're going to have a hard time finding mold because okay. it airs out and it dries out. And the mold spores cannot become viable, alive, reproduce, however you want to word it. So that that makes a lot of sense. How do you explain mold in a refrigerator? Meaning you keep it nice and cool, the humidity's low in the fridge, and all of a sudden you open up and your cheese now has mold on it. So once again, um, so uh, just just for a question for our listeners, and I'll just ask you this question: Have you ever seen mold growing on something that came out of the freezer? No. Because it's frozen. It can't the mold is not viable. It okay. cannot reproduce. It's frozen. Yeah. It's no different than dormant grass in the wintertime. The fridge isn't. The fridge isn't frozen. Most people keep their fridges like at 38, 37 degrees. So it's above freezing levels. For mold to grow in that in the fridge, going back to what you're saying, so 
a lot of the newer fridges, you have humidity control for, for the drawer that has your vegetables in it. You know, the little slider things you have. And how that works, I have no idea. Yeah. It would obviously have to have something to do with the, the water dispenser. But even if you didn't have that, the, the, the mold on your cheese, that cheese is not just sitting on a plate. Correct? Correct. So it's probably in a bag, Ziploc, which keeps, it's contained. So any moisture from that cheese elevates the humidity, then it starts to grow. Now, going to the whole fridge, it's cold. Different mold types thrive at different temperatures. So obviously something like the mold on cheese, which is typically penicillium, it, 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 can, it can become viable and reproduce at that temperature. So mold is very um, tough. It can take a lot of different environments. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... Well, it's no different than any microorganisms, and it's built to survive. Yeah, it, that's just that's how our, our that's how the earth and and life works. You know, exactly. again, I'm not a specialist in that, but but yeah, it can it can thrive under any conditions, and it's no different than than the flu or colds. They're always morphing, mm-hmm. so they have to survive just like we want to survive. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Is there ever a condition with mold in food where mold is actually used? Yeah. Like, you know, used for stuff? Yeah, like blue cheese. Yeah. Oh, that's moldy. Yes. So So wait, how is blue cheese made now? I, you'd have to ask the, those experts, but <laughs> They let it it's mold. Aged and, oh, it's and, aged. Yeah, okay. Okay. So so that's why it's called blue cheese. Okay. But they've deemed, once again, and this is FDA or whoever, the governing agencies that that is safe to eat. Now, going back to the whole eating peanuts, if, if one of our listeners has a child that's allergic to peanuts, they that, that child cannot even be around peanuts. It's yeah. just toxic for them. Um, but the, the, the parent can have it. So it's the same concept. You you know, you might be able to sit there and eat blue cheese. We, we like blue cheese. Yeah. But if you have an allergy to it, then... It'll cause issues, but they say it's deemed safe. And I would be a hypocrite if I sat here and said you shouldn't eat blue cheese because I like blue cheese. So yeah, that's true. Now, do we eat blue cheese with active, viable mold growth on it? No, no. Like if you, you get in your your fridge and you know you can buy the blue cheese, just the the the, the crumble. I don't know what to, what you call it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, just the crumble, yeah, not the like in a dressing. Yeah, the cheese, actually cheese yep. block crumble thing. Yeah, yeah. just kind of cut up, broken off, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if there was mold, you could see active mold growing on it. I would not eat it. Correct. Even though I like blue cheese. Correct. So I know that was kind of a non-answer. Maybe a. I'm not sure how to say how I said it, but but it is. It sounds hypocritical, but you know there are things that that's. It's no different than penicillin. You take that. For Correct. if you have any, you know, any infection that's obviously bacterial. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> our listeners would be like, well, so how does that work, Steve? Like you're saying, well, you can take antibiotics to get rid of an infection, but you're saying, you know, high counts of penicillin, penicillium is what we call it as a mold, are bad for me. Well, once again, it's, if you're taking a pill, it's, it's such a low dose, it's not deemed to be harmful. And there's some people that can't take penicillin. Yeah. They have to take a different... Different thing. Amoxicillin or whatever, you know. So it's it it's very complex. And our listeners know that. I mean, I don't want to sound like I can't give straight answers, but it's it's that's why mold's so tough. 
Yeah, because it, it morphs, it changes, yep. and it's super complex. Yep. When, you know, when we get to the building side, that's where, you know, that's why it's so complex. Like, we can't just run air tests and go, yeah, you're good, if that makes sense, yeah. as far as air quality. we got to do air tests. we got to do an inspection. We've got to get the history of the people in the home. they got to do blood work, urine testing. It's not just a simple, yeah, the air is good. So then what do you say to the listeners after we've said all of these things? How do they avoid having moldy foods that are not good to have around? So, uh, like I said, you know, and I I would say, and I would have to say it this way, um, if there's any concerns, you don't want to eat it, period. There's no reason to take a chance with it. So if if you find that moldy food in your fridge, just throw it out. It's not even worth trying to shave it off of the cheese or whatever stuff it's growing on. Cheese, a lot of people will just cut it off. Yeah. Um, have I done that before? Absolutely. Do I say it's safe? Well, I'm alive, so. <laughs> but you never can tell. No. Because, uh, yeah, it's just not necessarily safe. So, really, you're saying if questionable, throw it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not, you know, I just want our listeners to know that, that even if penicillium, as far as a mold type, is fine as far as it's penicillin, the penicillium is a mold type that you have on bread or cheese is not the same as taking an antibiotic. Yeah, very, very different. So so if it's moldy, if it's questionable, chuck yep, it, yep. clean your fridge often. Something that most of us don't like to do. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so I've noticed that the way that you store the food in the fridge is really important. Correct. So how should food be stored to avoid mold? Well, it, the best way to answer that's vacuum sealed, but most people don't have, you know, vacuum sealers. We use one for the freezer, but, you know, if you were to vacuum seal things, you know, it, but it all depends on what you're doing it with, would be a better option. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I, I saw a commercial, and I can't remember the wording, but it was something to the effect that, your fridge and freezer are not, um, they're not a museum or they're not architects or I, I don't remember, but yeah. it, it, at the end of the day, just clean your fridge out. I mean, well, and you have to store different things differently yeah. because I put, uh, raspberries and blackberries in an airtight container and they ended up getting moldy in a yes. couple of days because they need air, they need holes in the containers yep. to breathe. Exactly. And you know, we've tried, we've tried different things like, We've tried to vacuum seal lettuce, mm-hmm. and yeah, it makes it a lot more compact and easier to store, but the lettuce doesn't last very long at mm-hmm. all. So you're right. There are certain things that need to air out. That's just, and, and what I typically say, and you know, our listeners know this, however you bought it at the store is how you should store it. Correct. So if your avocados were refrigerated, you'd keep them in the refrigerator, but they're not. Correct. So, you know... That's to me, it's fairly simple, but just don't think that you know you're collecting collectibles. I think is what that commercial said. Oh, okay, some insurance commercial, and he says that this is a fridge, it's not a you know, they're not supposed to be collectibles or heirlooms or something, but you know, it's just best to throw that crap out. Okay, questionable, throw it out. What's your call to action for people? Well, we just talked about it clean your fridges out and check, you know. There's some people that go through a loaf of bread every couple of days, so they never worry about it. There's other people that, you know, depending on the, the, the brand, they could keep their bread for a couple of weeks. But just make sure you check things. I mean, it's 
you could be eating raspberries. The top layer looks fine, but then you get down a few layers or down a little further in the container and there's mold. Well, if there's mold on the lower stuff, there's probably mold in the stuff you just ate. Yeah. So yeah, throw it out. Throw it out. And if you've got questions, you do consultations. Yep. So people can go to cnccontractorservices.com and learn about the various types of consults because you've got more than one type. Yeah, yeah. We have different um, different options depending on what's going on. So if they're doing mold mitigation, we have options where we we are actually the consultants, you know, to come up with the action plan. Some states require you to have that action plan or scope of work. I'm not sure how everybody wants to word it, but, you know, there are different options. And, you know, a lot of times it's just the normal consultation that, you know, we send you a questionnaire once you've paid. We send a receipt and then a questionnaire. We try to gather all the information we can. And we, I've never had a client that hasn't been satisfied with their consultation because we want to get to the bottom of it. And it's we don't treat you like you're like the last you know, client that we used, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's situation is different. So. And this is customized. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. So you can learn more about the consultations by going to cnccontractorservices.com. We'll catch you on the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.